Amen. About to have church. Wow. Thank y'all for coming and uh, celebrating with us with Shay. Shay, congratulations. This is baptism is supposed to be the first act of obedience in the Christian life. Now, Shay has um, professed Jesus for some time, um, but there's something about coming before the saints in front of the body of Jesus and saying, I'm all in, declaring publicly that I am a little Christ, I'm a Christian. I was just thinking, everything from the second you walked up on our deck to now, everything that you like about a Sunday morning is thanks to the Holy Spirit. All the conversation, the bond we have, the friendships we fostered, the people you came and had a connection with and you love come to church, brought to you by the Holy Spirit. We sang unto the Lord. We worshipped in our hearts, brought to you by the Holy Spirit. We watched Shay declare to you that she has been raised in newness of life, brought to you by the Holy Spirit. And now I'm going to bring God's Word to you by the Holy Spirit. From the Scriptures authored by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is knitting us together so that we can worship God. Amen. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to do anything today by our own power. And so without any further ado, if you turn to John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21, we're, we're continuing in John. If you don't have a Bible, it's right up there. I forget to say that sometimes, but... John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. This morning I'm going to draw out one overarching truth, and it's this. Jesus Christ is our deliverer from the storm, but He is also Lord over the storm. <clears throat> Let's say that one more time. Jesus Christ is our deliverer from the storm, but He's also Lord over the storm. Both of those are important. So without any further ado, if you'd stand for the reading of God's Word. And the Holy Spirit, through John, says, When evening came, His disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Let's pray. Father, reveal to us this morning the precious truth found in this story that we may see that every storm, every challenge, every trial, every sickness, every obstacle in our lives, you are not only the answer, but you are the one who is Lord over every single challenge in our life. And we cannot call upon you as Savior unless we also call upon you as Lord. And all these things we ask in your Son's name, Amen. Amen. 
may be seated. One of my children's favorite hobbies is waking up in the morning at 3 o'clock and crying. They love it. I mean, they must love it because they do it almost every night. Um, and it happens pretty much where Kelly's the more sensitive sleeper, so she always wakes up first. It's usually Roman. Um, not always, but most of the time. And with twins, it's like a chain reaction of crying. One cries, and inevitably the other's going to cry. And at that point, you want to get there before the other wakes up, or mommy and daddy are both tag teaming it and going in, you know. They wake up, I, I'm assuming they wake up, see that it's dark, get scared, and they cry for mommy and daddy. That's pretty much, I think, what's happening in their minds, even though there's a nightlight or two. And daddy will stop the crying. Now, mommy's got to get daddy out of bed, because generally I'm like, I kind of look over at Kelly and I'm like, you're closer. Um, but if daddy gets in there, daddy's going to stop the crying. I've got some mad rocking skills. I know how Bubba kind of likes to come. Daddy will stop the crying. But it's not my touch that initially stops their crying. It's what? It's my voice. I'll walk up. They can't see me. It's a dark. And I'll go, shh, it's okay. It's okay. And Bubba will, will stop crying. And he stops crying because he knows now daddy's here. Daddy's near. I'm okay now. My voice is enough to soothe them in the dark because they know that I'm close by. That is precisely how the disciples react to Jesus' voice in this passage we're getting ready to read. An exposit. They're in the dark. They get scared. Jesus comes. They hear his voice. All is well. Jesus is trying to teach them something here. Because they're behaving like little children in some ways. Last time we saw Jesus, 5,000 people were wanting to take Him and make Him king by force. And John says that He withdrew, Jesus withdrew to the mountain by Himself, not with His disciples. In all likelihood, probably going to pray to the Father. That's where we pick up in verse 16. Jesus stays on top of the mountain by Himself. Evening comes... Disciples come down, go to the sea, get into the boat. They start across to the Capernaum, uh, across the sea. Water gets choppy, storm comes, boats start rocking, they get scared. Strong wind is blowing, it says. They're about three or four miles offshore. There's no help. They see a figure coming. He's kind of mysterious. They don't know who it is. They get scared. Matthew 14 in this account actually says that they believe Jesus is a ghost. The word John uses here is phobeomai. Come on now, Lazenby. Phobeomai, what does that mean? I fear. My boy. <laughs> it's where we get the word phobia. It means they're terrified. They're frightened. One thing we need to keep in mind as we read the Gospels, and it's something we need to understand as Christians today, there's not one single thing the Son of God does that He doesn't have a purpose for doing. No storm in your life, no storm in their lives, no storm in my life is random or without purpose. So one thing I think we should ask this morning is, why in the world is Jesus deciding to walk on water? Why didn't He decide to come with them? What was He trying to teach His disciples? This wasn't Jesus just trying to pump the disciples. 
Jesus has a purpose for what he's doing here. You know, if I had to summarize this story, it's, it's a really short story. I could break it down into seven points. Disciples get on the boat. Weather gets really bad. Jesus comes, walking in the water. They get scared. Jesus says, it's I, don't be afraid. They receive him into the boat. Suddenly they're there. That's the story. It's such a simple story that you can really see where the real conflict is. The real problem is not the storm. The real problem is their fear. The point of this story is not Jesus simply saving the disciples from capsizing. The point of this story is Jesus saving his disciples from unbelief. You would think in the middle of a storm, winds blowing, boat shaking, that the sight of Jesus coming, they'd go, oh, Jesus is here. You know, just having seen him do what? Feed 5,000 people. They'd go, that guy who just did that, he's here. It's fine, guys. No, they see him and they get scared. Why is that? It's not like, you know, Matthew 14 says they thought he was a ghost. It wasn't that he had like a little... You know, I kind of imagine like Scooby-Doo back when, you know, they had like the ghost, had a little thing around him. It wasn't like Jesus looked like a ghost. It looked like Jesus. If I were four miles out in the middle of the raging sea and I saw God, I think somebody would go, hey, the, the creator of the universe is here. Nobody does that. The real problem is not the storm. The real problem here is upon seeing the Son of God, his disciples don't believe that it's really him. They're afraid because they don't believe the disciples are more than willing to believe in Jesus when things are well, when weather is good, when life is good, but they're not willing to trust Him when the weather's rough. That's a serious problem. That's exactly why Jesus has, has, has intentionally decided to walk out on the water and bring this storm upon them. Jesus, the Son of God, has brought this storm upon them so that they can learn to walk by faith. Jesus wants them to know that He's both the deliverer from the storm and He's Lord over the storm. Recently, Kelly and I had to make um, a really big decision regarding finances, budget, jobs. Um, typical stuff that I think a family endures. You know, conversations that married couples have. Um, it was just one of those that was just filled with a lot of stress and worry and when there are dollar signs everywhere in the conversation, it's just, you know, it just brings a lot of stress. We had this huge conversation about the future of our family and making decisions with jobs and, and investments and, and, and school and all this stuff. And then we were so tired by the end of the conversation, Kelly's like, have you all ever had this one? Kelly's like, I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> and I went, I'm going to check the mail. <laughs> What's wrong with that? What did we not do? We didn't pray. Now, you might not think that's a bad idea, but we were more than willing to go to God and thank Him for our new house. We were more than willing to go to God and thank Him for our new jobs. We were more than willing to thank God for our kids, but we didn't trust Jesus in the middle of our trial. We need to go take a shower. The next morning, God showed me that the real problem wasn't our finances or our schedules or our jobs or our future. That's pretty secure. The real problem is my unbelief in not going to God in the middle of making some of the best decisions and biggest decisions of my life. So the next morning, you better believe Kelly and I did what? Prayed. 
Our ultimate job as Christians is not to pay bills, raise kids, and go to church. Those are good. Our ultimate job as Christians is to consciously depend on Christ for every single decision in the midst of every single storm of our lives. Jonathan Edwards, y'all knew I had to include him, said this, God is glorified in the work of redemption by the greatness of man's dependence upon God. You can tell a lot about how much a family glorifies God by how much they depend on God. And nothing reveals our dependency on God more than a storm. That's the sin of the disciples. It's unbelief. They're looking upon the God who controls the laws of nature and they don't believe that He can do something as insignificant as walk on water. They see Jesus coming near them. He wasn't walking away. He was actually coming near them and they got afraid. Why? Well, it's the very same reason that Philip and Andrew didn't think He could feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Jesus is teaching them the very same thing he did on the hillside. I'm the Son of God. Trust me. If they did that, believing that Jesus could walk on water is nothing. If we believed that, our financial decisions would be nothing. If we believed that, our family problems would be nothing. If we actually really believed that Jesus was the Son of God, our marital challenges would be nothing. Our fear in the midst of our earthly circumstances reveals our unbelief in the God who controls our earthly circumstances. You know, I was preparing this week, and uh, I'm sorry, I was raised on Caleb. I just go through texts. Have you, y'all, y'all, y'all be lying if you said you didn't read a Bible verse sometimes and think about a song. I thought of a, uh, I will praise you in this storm. Is that Casting Crowns? I think it is. Okay. Can feel the judgment. Um, I think Casting Crowns is good. I think it's a good song. It's a catchy song. It's overplayed, but it's good. My favorite lyrics in that song are, And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and what? And takes away. And takes away. And takes away. That's the hardest part about believing in Jesus. Faith is more than simply asking God to deliver you from the storm. Faith is believing that God is sovereign over the storm. Hebrews 1.3 He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Jesus, the Son of God, is walking on water. Why? Because He controls the water. He controls the clouds. He controls the boats. He's controlling their beating hearts. And they don't think that He can walk on water. See, it's amazing to us. It really isn't that amazing for the King of Kings who upholds the universe by the word of His power. The God who is walking on the water is the same God who controls the weather. Jesus Christ was given all authority from the Father. That includes earthly power. He is controlling the very same storm He has brought upon them. At some point, one of the disciples should have been like, well, He fed 5,000 people out of two fish and five loaves. I think He could, whatever He's doing right there. I think that we still, today, fight the idea that God is sovereign in just the smallest ways. 
The natural human heart is unwilling to accept the fact that God controls all things. And His purposes and plans are above ours and we should not question His goodness. That requires real faith. So many self-professing Christians today simply do not believe or they're unwilling to believe in a sovereign God who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Because they can't understand it. It's one thing to believe that God can help you through a hard time. It's quite another to believe that God may have brought that hard time upon you for your good. That you would learn to depend on Him and to listen to His voice. Today, when my son is in a crowd, as he often kind of comes in after church, when my son's in a crowd and I go, Roman, he'll go, unless, unless John, Josh Danforth is around, then he'll kind of... <laughs> Josh Danforth's like the only guy that my son prefers more than me. <laughs> Childlike faith is what God desires of us, and He's not above pummeling you until you come to Him. As we read this text this morning, I want you to keep this in mind. God is still bringing storms upon us so that we would trust in His Word and not in our boat. Whatever trial has befallen you, whatever sickness you have, whatever disease, whatever loss you've endured, may we never live under the misguided notion that God had no hand in it. Jesus is our rescue from the storm precisely because He's also Lord over the storm. Jesus brought this storm on them. When my sister Shay went down in the water and came up, what she was telling the world is, I can't trust in myself anymore. I can't follow my own heart anymore. It's desperately wicked. I trust in Jesus because He's sovereign. He's good. He's righteous. And Shay is not. Galatians 2.20 I'm just going to put Shay in there for a second. Shay has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer Shay who lives, but Christ who lives in Shay. The life Shay now lives in the flesh. Shay lives by faith in the Son of God who loved Shay and gave, her, gave himself for Shay. And that's true for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. The old Shay was crucified with Jesus. The new Shay is a new creation, living by faith in the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's a Christian. You know, when Jesus was crucified, the disciples got really scared and really confused. And what did God say? Remember what I said. When the church was persecuted by Paul, it was afraid. And what did God say? Trust in my word. When Paul was converted in Damascus Road, Paul was frightened. And God said what? Listen to my voice. And today, God is still doing marvelous things that we don't fully comprehend and when we get frightened, he's saying the exact same thing. Trust in my word. How many times, how many people in this room went through a hard time, something, and you picked up a Bible for the first time in a while and you started praying more than you ever had? Raise your hand. That was Jesus whispering into your heart. It is I, do not be afraid. When we believe in ourselves and not in Jesus, we get scared. But when we love Jesus and not ourselves, He casts out fear. God's written word preserves and sustains Abi's faith. That's why i got to keep reading the Bible. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. 
I hear people say sometimes, I don't need to read the Bible to have a personal relationship with Jesus. That is someone who has convinced themselves that their own voice is the voice of Jesus. Psalm 119. Here you go, Josh. Psalm 119. Verses, verses 71 through 72. David says something that's just remarkable. Psalm 119, 71 through 72. This is what David says about his sufferings. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I'm going to read that one more time. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is now better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Did you catch that? David's glad that God afflicted him. David is thankful that God afflicted him because it brought him to savor God's word even more. It taught him to listen. That's faith. That's godly suffering. Suffering that increases your faith and dependence on God and causes you to thank God even more for being afflicted. And the world's looking at that going, whoa, that's weird. Because of the storms that God has brought on Kelly and I's life, I now savor God's word even more and I thank God for the sufferings. I thank God for the storm. And like David, I can say today, Abby Todd can say it is good that I was afflicted that I might learn his word. And if you're going through a storm right now, could be in your family, could be with your job, could be in your heart, could be in your mind, and it hasn't brought you to cast yourself and to listen to his voice and to go to his word, you're wasting it. David says, it's good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. Can you say that? Can we say that? Can you look back to something in your past that was especially painful and see good where before you only saw bad? Can you look back at God's grace and see God working in the darkest hour of your life? God does not send storms upon us so that we can get tougher and learn to depend on ourselves. That's exactly what most people do. For the people of God, it shows us how weak we are. It shows us how much we need Jesus. What Jesus wants more than anything for these 12 disciples in this boat is for them to walk out of the storm and to know His voice. Jesus is delivering them from the storm, but He's also showing them that He's Lord over the storm. Last two verses. Verses 20 through 21. But He said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take Him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Did you catch that last part? Like Jesus, like, hey, hey, I'm in here. Okay, now let's let's go up here. No, we're, we're we're back. Okay, let's go. <laughs> you ever been at Disneyland or Universal Studios and like you're on a ride and you think you're somewhere and then the, 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 the lights come on, you, you're in the same place the whole time. I think that's what the, the disciples were like. Like they got off the ride and they're like, oh my gosh, no, like, oh, I guess we were here. What, that, this is proof. Verse twenty is proof that Jesus was controlling the storm the whole time. He brought this storm upon them so they would treasure His voice. God put them through this storm to test their faith. And He's doing the exact same thing today. 
And I would think that most of these disciples are getting off this ride thinking that they failed. In some sense, they did. Because they cried like little girls. But isn't that how God works? After we think we failed, God uses our failures to renew our hope in Him. Yes. My favorite part of this is they were glad to take Him into the boat. They were glad to take Him into the boat. That's my favorite part. They took Him in. They received Him. They weren't letting go of Jesus. They were probably like, okay, now I know I'm not going to die because Jesus is right here. Friends, that is a small picture of what happens every single time someone believes we set out on our own course and our own sin. We get lost. We get caught in a storm. We get scared and think we're going to die. We call for help. Jesus speaks into our hearts. Jesus comes on the boat and says, Receive me. You're safe now. And we're glad that He's on our boat. That is salvation. And here's the, here's the point this morning. That is the only way to truly receive Jesus in this life. Being afraid that you're going to die in hell, trusting in the words of Jesus for your salvation, and pulling Him in like your life depended on it. Trusting in His work on the cross. Trusting in the blood. For those who place their trust in Jesus, we receive Him as Savior and as Lord. Just like these disciples are. There is no receiving Jesus as Savior without receiving Him as Lord. If you think you're a Christian this morning, and you've never thought about believing in Jesus like that, I, I guess I, I prayed the prayer and said I was a Christian and said I believed in Jesus, and that was it. Well, if you've never looked at Jesus like saving you from a capsizing boat, if you've never looked upon Christ this morning like He's saving you from death, you're missing out on the, the essence of faith. Because the gospel says Jesus isn't just there to be your buddy. He's your refuge from the storm. Mm -hmm. If you've never cast your soul on Jesus like someone who's about to go overboard, receive Him with gladness. Let's pray. Father God, Your ways are above our ways. But you have made one way known to us. And that is, you're not above sending a storm. And for those who have called in the name of the Lord, we're actually thankful for the storms. Because they bring us to a dependence and a trust and a longing and a faith in your Son, Jesus. Father, rip away any pride, any trust in ourselves. Teach us to be fearful disciples in a boat. And we are so glad to hear your voice. Father, let us treasure your word in our hearts like disciples who hear the words, It is I. Do not be afraid. Show us who you are. Show us what you've done on the cross so that we can have peace in the middle of the storm. All these things we ask in your son's name. Amen. Our God is sovereign. He's our Lord, Jesus Christ.